Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns with me, Blake Lambert Hack. This is your weekly true crime paranormal podcast from cases from the stunning Venice, Italy. And I'm very excited this episode because you will be hearing a an interview with one of my friends and I at the end of the episode. He has gone through a wild paranormal experience and I am ecstatic for you to take a listen. But before we get into that, we're going to go over the cursed Palazzo Dario. Palazzo means palace because it was built for an aristocrat. Ca Dario meaning house. We'll get into it. But it's located on the Grand Canal, which is the main canal that runs through the city of Venice. Also, I'm feeling very jittery. I've had a lot of caffeine, so bear with me. I talk really fast because my brain is moving a million minutes, million seconds per minute, whatever that saying is. But here we go. The house was built in 1479 for aristocrat Giovanni Dario, 543 years ago. And not to get too bogged down in the history of the 1400s, but at the time, the Republic of Venice had strong ties with Constantinople which was the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. It was the center for trade with the Eastern world. And after 53-day siege in in 1453, Constantinople was captured by Mohammed II and the Turks, who renamed the city Istanbul. The city of Istanbul and the Republic of Venice did not get along, bringing the economy of Venice drastically down after a 26-year war. To help end the war, the Republic of Venice sent Giovanni Dario to handle a peace treaty. And when Giovanni returned to Venice, he was considered a hero for not only handling the peace treaty successfully, but also negotiating an advantageous economy agreement. He was hailed as the savior of the homeland. What a title. I always listen to the song Down to the Honky Tonk by Jake Owen. And he always, and the chorus is like, I might not end up in the Hall of Fame or a statue in my hometown when I'm gone. And that's how I feel. I might not end up with a statue in my hometown. But I got things going on and I'm a little jealous of this guy though hailed as the savior of the homeland, not even just your town, your homeland. A Hercules type person. In return, the city gave Giovanni an upgrade in title, land and money. He took the money and built a house on the Grand Canal because what else are you going to do? I mean, most people who win the lottery buy a giant house. It's just what you do. It's been what people have been doing since the 1400s, or probably even before that. 
but he built this gorgeous palace on the Grand Canal. And Pietro Lombardo was hired as the architect. He was a renowned sculptor and architect at the time. And of course, I will post photos on social media at Haunted Hometowns. But the house is a four-story, asymmetrical, gothic revival work of art. The facade of the house was inscribed with Urbis Genio Loanes Darius. For all you Latin speakers out there, don't come at me. It means Giovanni Dario, genius of the city, or patron of the city. Urbis Genio Loanes Darius. I couldn't find too much information about Giovanni, but even less about his daughter's mother. So Marietta Dario was born out of wedlock, which I believe must have been a secret because I don't think that was allowed in the 1400s. I could be mistaken, but from my history lessons, being born out of wedlock was hugely frowned upon. But in Giovanni's will, he refers to Marietta's mother as Chiara or Chiara. And from what I read, Chiara was present in Giovanni and Marietta's lives, but I couldn't find when or how she died. So when Giovanni's sister passed away, he ended up taking his sister's children And they eventually called Chiara mom, or madre, or mama, or mamma, or whatever the 1400s Italian equivalent is. Eventually, Marietta married the boy next door. And literally, he was living next door to Plaza Dario. And And that house was one of many properties owned by the highly respected and well-known families, the Barbaros. Marietta Dario and Vincenzo Barbaro married in 1493, but unfortunately later that year, Marietta's father, Giovanni Dario, passed away from natural causes, so they say, leaving the house in the hands of his daughter, and her new husband. Now at this point, Marietta and Vincenzo had a decent amount of money from their parents, and they owned Palazzo Dario and the house next door. There isn't much written about their marriage, but we do know that it didn't end on great terms, unfortunately. Vincenzo was a merchant, just as Giovanni was, However, Vincenzo went bankrupt, which caused marital problems shortly after Vincenzo was stabbed to death. So lots happening in Marietta's life. And it has happened over a span of years, but her father passing away, I guess her mother passed away. She married a man who comes from money, but he went bankrupt. It's a lot. And then he was stabbed. And we don't know who stabbed him or for what reason. 
I think he probably borrowed money from someone and he didn't have means of paying them back. So he was murdered. Or was it a curse? And due to financial ruin and the murder of Vincenzo, Marietta took her own life by jumping into the canal and drowning. And I need to know, did they even try selling their houses or were they brought up in a way that, you know, you come from money, you don't give up your belongings, you rather go bankrupt? I don't know how that all works. But it's weird to me that neither of them sold their houses. Before Marietta's death, she made a testimony, quote, Considering that nothing is more certain than death, and nothing is more uncertain than the hour of death, not wanting to die without a testament, so that my affairs are left disordered, sound of mind, intellect and body, but close to childbirth, unquote. She was 26 years old during that testament. Unfortunately, so much is unclear. So she had between one to three children. Some believe her first child's name was Gasparo, her second Giacomo, and then Giovanni was the third after her father. Some say she only had one child named, named Giacomo, and others say her one child's name was Vincenzo Jr. If she did have three children, Giovanni was the child she was pregnant with during her testament. Either way, when Marietta died and before her children were old enough, Cadario was rented out until 1522 when her sons were of age. The three brothers made claim to the house and it was granted. However, one of the brothers was assassinated in Crete shortly after. If we go by the theory that there was only one son, then he was the one to die in Crete. Either way, the paper trail for Caudadio abruptly ends right there. We have the family who had it built and all the tragic events that happened after, but there was some time between when the son or one of the sons died to whoever bought it after that we're not really sure what happened. But all we know is that the house was inherited by Vincenzo's family, the Barbaros, until the 1800s when it was sold to Arbit Abdol. And he was a wealthy stone merchant who made his fortune selling jewels, which I think would be an excellent job. I think that'd be so fun a jewelry maker. Not necessarily, I mean, selling jewels can be fun too, but like creating jewelry. I'm obsessed with Fabergé. Not just the eggs, but like all of their jewelry. There's a small collection of Fabergé at the Met and it's just beautiful. It's jewelry meets art. Unfortunately, Arbit Abdul lost his fortune immediately after purchasing the house and was forced to sell the house for a measly 480 pounds. And when you see this house, even back in the 1800s when he owned this house, it costs way more than 480 pounds. 
Abdul died shortly after, and he was penniless, which is also a lot of artists' downfalls, unfortunately. But Kadario was sold to a historian named Rodden Brown, who went bankrupt in four years, forcing him to sell the house. And the house passed hands and eventually ended up belonging to Countess Isabel Gontran. She was a Belgian author and published her works under the pseudonym Laurent Evrard. After her husband's death, she purchased the Palazzo Dario in 1898 and would throw lavish salons, inviting all kinds of creatives. Claude Monet being one of the more famous ones. Monet even had a painting of Palazzo Dario hanging in the Art Institute of Chicago, if you ever want to go see it. Monet was not only in love with the beauty of Venice, but of Caudario itself. Of the 37 paintings Monet created of Venice, four of them include the Palazzo Dario. So far, every single person that's owned the Palazzo Dario has become bankrupt and or died. But now people who visit are subjected to the curse. During one of Isabel's salons, the French poet Henri de Regnier stopped by and lived in the house for roughly two years. However, when he returned home, he became deathly ill, but fortunately lived to be 71 years old. The next owner of the cursed house was the American millionaire Charles Briggs. The rumor goes he was gay and was chased out of Venice, where he moved to Mexico with his partner. There, his partner was murdered for whatever reason, and some say Charles died of suicide shortly after. However, there isn't any proof to back up this theory. Honestly, I couldn't even find a Charles Briggs that purchased the Cadario in the late 1900s, but it's a common story. It's one of those folklores that pass from word of mouth through tours and living in Venice. So it could very well be true. I just couldn't find anything on the interweb. Also, y'all translating some of these websites from Italian to English, I may have missed a couple things, but... So the question stands, why is the house cursed? Why is the Palazzo Dario called the house that kills? Some say it was cursed the moment Giovanni moved in, or cursed even before he moved in. Earlier I mentioned the Latin inscription on the facade of the house, Urbis Genio Loanis Darius, If you Tom Riddle that shit and rearrange the letters, you get Sub Ruina Insidiosa Genero, which means I generate under an insidious ruin, meaning that ruin in any sort was to befall anyone who owned or stayed in Palazzo Dario. Do I buy in to that or is it a coincidence? It's probably a coincidence or someone really trying to find a reason 
when there isn't one. But a lot of people have become bankrupt or have died or gotten deathly ill just from staying in the house. More than most houses. I'd say maybe a house will have one or two deaths because of old age or a fire or whatever the case may be, but to have already at this point, we already have five plus people that have died or become deathly ill because not because of living in the house, but may some say because living in the house. So the house sat empty for some time, but an Italian opera singer showed some interest in 1963. His name was Mario Del Monaco. He had begun official communication to purchase Cadario. However, on his way to the house, he was in a horrible car accident where he sustained severe injuries, almost taking his life and destroying his career. And it's said while he was in the ambulance, he told his secretary to destroy those papers, referring to the purchase agreement of the Cadario. So Mario Del Monaco didn't officially buy the house, which may have been the reason he lived. But the next owner of the palazzo didn't get off so easily. Count Filippo Giordabo della Lanza was murdered in his own home by a sailor named Raul Blasic. After murdering Filippo, Raul fled to London, where he too was murdered. Some say Filippo and Raul were lovers, but this is the second case now that we've had gay lovers living in the house and them murdering each other, and I just don't think that's true. I don't know why we pair violence and random killings to that kind of love. The next owner was music producer and manager of The Who, Kit Lambert. At the height of The Who's success, Kit Lambert bought the Palazzo Dario, splitting his time between Venice and London. And this should come as a shock to no one when I say rock bands and their associates were heavy into drugs. And Kit Lambert was no exception. While in London, Kit was arrested and charged with possession of heroin. And to escape jail time, he became a ward of the Court of Protection, where he was given a weekly stipend of 150 pounds. Then, in 1981, Kit fell down a stairway and died for died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Next up was a Venetian businessman who moved in and fell into financial ruin, followed by his sister dying in a car crash. Shortly after that, another Italian owner, Raul Gardini, was fraught with scandal, losing his money and dying of apparent suicide in 1993. And the Who returns to our story when bass player 
John Entwistle, rented the palazzo, then died of a heart attack a week later. Even director Woody Allen tried to purchase the house, but last minute backed out. And today, the Palazzo Dario is privately owned and not open to the public. Some believe a business like a, a business owns the property since the house is sometimes used as an art gallery. So what is it about this house? Did someone bury a witch's totem underneath the property before they built it? Before Giovanni died, did he curse the house? Or did Marietta, before she jumped off the balcony, who's to say? But there have been a lot of horrific things that have happened to these people who owned or have been associated with this house specifically. And like I said earlier, it seems like there's been a lot more than other houses. And maybe the house won't kill you if you show art, read poetry, sing a song, paint it. Monet didn't die because of it. The woman who held salons didn't die because of it. The people who own it now have, like, as far as I know, there hasn't been any deaths from any of the people who own it currently, and they have art galleries all the time. So... Is it true? Some believe the house is cursed because it was built on an old cemetery before San Michel was built on the island. Because you know back then people were buried in churches and backyards before cemeteries were even a thing. So that's a possibility. And there hasn't been any reported sightings of apparitions or orbs But there was an owner of the palazzo that lived in the house and would never sleep there due to the ghosts that reside in the palazzo. So even though we don't have any specific stories of ghosts, there has been owners that have said there are ghosts living in the house. And this specific one just chooses not to live there. Or, or he never slept in the house when he owned it. But I don't believe in curses in this way. If I had the money, I'd contemplate buying the gorgeous house. It is unsettling when many people die in one place over the span of centuries. But but as it stands, it looks like there's only been one person to actually die in Cadario. Of course, there's about 800 years of history that's lost to time when the Barbaro family owned it. So maybe some crazy shit did happen during that time. And they keep it to themselves or kept it to themselves because they wanted to make some money off the prime real estate. Who knows? I'd say go and visit when they're holding uh, art shows. Because the Peggy Guggenheim collection is next door to this house, and they hold galleries in the Cadario from time to time. But 
I don't know. Curses are a funny thing. But I am very excited for you to listen to my interview with my friend Anastas, who's going to tell you a paranormal experience he's had. So I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be back with his story. you're an elephant then i totally have this game i'll just send it towards you it's okay no this is my asmr channel i was just gonna we're gonna do asmr i'm like that's what i've been planning to do instead all this time that's okay i'm sure sure it sounds great it's it's just like little scratchies of the ear (laughs) that's why all of my guests always tell me like you should do sexual asmr for those in need there you go there's an only fans for it I'm sh- there's an OnlyFans for everything. There is, truly so. You could just probably just get away with knitting and make an OnlyFans and make money off of it. Exactly. <laughs> click, 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 with my voice over it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> talking about whatever you want to yeah. talk about. Oh, and then I can sell the things that I knit. Exactly. See? And I was like, you want to know what I knitted when I was like, like talking the phone book mm-hmm. while knitting? Here yeah. it is on my OnlyFans. You tell the people on OnlyFans, you don't tell them what you're knitting on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. You just knit. And then you're like, if you want to know... And then on your Etsy channel, it just says the date of the <laughs> OnlyFans so they know what you were knitting when you were talking about. Uh, no, I'm just going to be knitting underwear, and then I'll wear it. Very? And I'll bag it. And make even more money. <laughs> it's all crocheted underwear. It's Have you seen those crocheted jock straps? I have. They're weird. They're very weird. I like them, though. I've seen them on Tumblr, and I'm really into it. I can only imagine that it's itchy, though. It absolutely be itchy. I'm like, it's yarn. Never, like, <laughs> let yarn exist on your body for more than, like, two minutes. Right. It's not fun. It's too Bushwick, also. I'm like, I can't let myself become that Bushwick. I'd have to leave before that. So you're only going to do it once you leave Bushwick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the, only, that's the only way it's going to be cool. Those, Otherwise, I'll be cliche. The, those Vermont winters, you'll need them. Yeah. How am I going to get my burning gloves if I don't make them myself? Fair. Burning wouldn't want me to buy them. No. No. Think of the vectorial pass, like, like the methods that would be used to create them. See? Yeah, killing the earth. Okay. You know what? I think we have a plan here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anastas, thank you for being here. I'm so happy. In Bushwick. In Bushwick. The place to be. Before, okay, before we get into all of that, where you've lived before Bushwick, um, how would you describe a ghost? A ghost? A ghost. Like, physically, metaphorically. Whatever, whatever you think. Well, a ghost is about what you expect it to be. (laughs) <laughs> um, they can appear um, in all aspects of this dimension without being a totally physical being. Fair. It's my ghost. Okay. I it, mean, like in your dreams, scary sounds, um, projecting itself in ways that like shouldn't make sense. Um, yeah. To the normal human experience. 
Um, the people's ghost. Yeah. Imagine like the conjuring and you pretty much like have my ghost, but like not as strong. Okay. Probably not a witch that's dead. <laughs> they don't have as much uh, say so in the physical world. Oh no. Couldn't vomit in my mouth. It's not the exorcist. <laughs> like we didn't get that far. Fair. But she was building up to it, I think. Yeah, the energy is still there. The, yeah. the f- <laughs> she might want to, she just can't at oh, this she was, point. She was evil. She wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> so you believe in ghosts? Oh, absolutely. Did you believe in ghosts before this encounter we're going to talk about? Yes, but with no proof. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Like, anecdotal things from my youth that I probably made up. Like, I was like, a lamp fell over. It must have been a ghost. <laughs> but it was probably a cat. My cat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your cat's like, how dare you? I knocked over that other lamp, not this one. <laughs> so, before Bushwick, where have you lived? Everywhere. Well, not everywhere. <laughs> Michigan. Multiple places in Michigan. Turkey for about a year. Turkey as in, like, in... Istanbul. Istanbul. And Ankara. Okay. Um, both studying abroad. And then I got um, elected to study abroad in Azerbaijan because I had some experience in the region. What were you studying? Um, cultural politics. Oh, okay. But gotcha. in Azerbaijan, international relations because they didn't know what cultural politics... Gotcha. ...were. Yeah. Um, they weren't interested in that. So I had, <laughs> I had to pretend like I was an IR nerd and that I cared about world governments and what they were right. doing. But I went there um, and... Did you like it? Yes and no. It, Fair. Was, it was beautifully sad. Gotcha. <laughs> like, because like living in Azerbaijan is like living in a Persian Gulf um, autocracy, okay. like monarchy, while simultaneously living in a post-Soviet state Gotcha. While simultaneously, like, living right next to Iran. Right. And you get all of it. And then they think they're a democracy, but they're not. They've had only two presidents since um, they became a democracy. Yeah. And they're part of the same family, father and son. Yeah. And they win 90% of every election, at minimum. And they hate the gays. They don't love them. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know too much about that area, so... That... Sounds rough to... How long were you there? Eight months. Okay, so it's not... Eight months, I moved into an apartment when I moved to Azerbaijan that was, like, bought by my university that I was studying through. And it was absolutely full, ridden with mosquitoes. Oh, Like, they were, like, sneaking in out of this, like window from my room that had a water tank next to it and they were breeding in the water tank and I would just get eaten alive every night I could not handle that awful awful and there was also this cat that kept sneaking into the apartment I don't know how it got in but it wasn't our cat (laughs) and like it would come in and like watch me at night and like the mosquitoes were eating me and I was like I have to get out of here the cat was watching over you I bet that cat was there to like yeah. Make sure it, you were living. <laughs> it wasn't killing the mosquitoes, so I didn't really care what it was doing. Fair. Um, but I was like, I have to get out of this apartment. I'm so sorry, roommate that's going to be here alone. Yeah. Like, but I need to move. So I got moved to another student apartment that was gotcha. owned by the university. And this one had this, like, 
lovely guy in it. He was from Afghanistan. His father was a doctor in Kabul, like very high standing in the community. Like, right. He was very good at like he would cook dinners for us. Nice. Like, super lovely. Like kept the home like spotless. Um. But so the place like, before was like an apartment building. Yeah. And this was more like a home, or was this also? It was like a. It was post. So it was actually Soviet housing for God. like government workers. Okay. So I went into it. Like it had like huge Persian rugs in every room. The ceilings were like backlit, and you could change the backlight coloring from That's the switch so on the wall. I love that. Um, my room was gigantic, and the other guy's room was tiny. <laughs> and he was living there first, so that was the first tip off. Something was weird. Um, like his room had like blood red walls and these like huge boudoirs made out of like old oak, like hauled from like some European forest. That sounds beautiful. It was beautiful, but like his room always smelled of sulfur a little bit, and he still wanted to be in that room. Interesting. And not my room. Yeah. Even though it was like twice as large, and like my room had like piano in it that came with the room and a king size bed Damn. that like still had like at least 12 feet to either wall and all my walls were windows they were like frosted glass windows yeah that's strange when you move into a place like that and no one wants it before yeah. you <laughs> i had a balcony he did not it, like that like it was weird that's like, very was, strange like, he wouldn't tell me why he wouldn't didn't want to live in that room but there was also a trap door you can just lift it. It was like trapdoor to where? It was like a, a handle you lift up, and it was like the full floor. Like it was like a foot and a half thick. You just lift up, and it would just be this hole, and it's full of dust. And there were like things in the dust, like old like toys and like lots of papers. So it was like a sub basement, but yeah, but in between the third and fourth floor of um, an apartment building. That reminds me of I don't. Do you know who? H.H. H. Holmes is a serial killer. I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was active in the late 1800s in Chicago during the World's Fair, but he built this huge house that took up an entire block. Mm-hmm. Choice of living in a city. Um, yeah, it took up the entire block, and he built it so he could like murder people. So certain rooms would have trap doors like that, where mm-hmm. you they would fall in a chute down to the basement, or like the door wouldn't have a handle on the inside, so when they'd walk in, he'd shut it, and then like things like that. A lot, of, every room had something different, but they had like similar, similar to this, where there was like that subspace between the third, second, and third floor, mm-hmm. where he like hid sometimes, and that's creepy. It makes sense. I like to think that it was just like Soviet practicality. <laughs> there were a lot of closets I had more closets in that apartment than any place I've ever lived in my entire life their closets had top like closets on top of them Damn. but they all locked from the outside what are you locking in the closet right what are you locking in your crawl space right because like the closets were huge but like I was like whatever this apartment <laughs> is so much better than the last one I'm living in like the life of luxury. Right, I mean, when you're desperate, you kind of yeah. accept things yeah. without really paying attention. But it's like any other horror movie, when people are moving into a house, and mm-hmm. they're like, I'll take whatever, I need to get, you know, I was watching last night this movie called His Home, His House, mm-hmm. on Netflix. But they were refugees going to England. I know that one. Yeah. I know that movie. That, that movie's brutal. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> when I found out the little twist or the reveal at the end, I was gagged the entire time. I was like, are you serious right now? Um, but they were desperate, so they took whatever house they could get, and they just like went with it. And it's like... That movie made me scared of wallpaper, just like <laughs> as a concept. I was like, I'm only ever having blank white walls for the rest of my life, anywhere I live. Fair. <laughs> so this house, is the house is gorgeous. Your room's huge. Yeah. With a balcony, I'm jealous. But then I don't know. It all started to like get weird. Like how quickly? I would within a week. Okay. Within a week. And I'm only a month into this, so I have seven months to go. Right. Like on the, the, the clock is ticking really slowly. Yeah. But it starts with these, like, really dreams that I don't remember immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, but I'm waking up screaming. What the... And my, like, roommate is coming in at night, because, like, my room isn't really, like, that hidden. Yeah. There's... French doors that are like frosted glass and full windows into the living room because Damn. I think my room was added on afterwards. Yeah. Um, so you can just kind of walk in through the living room to get to me. Gotcha. And he's like, Are you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm fine. And then he would make me food um, each time. But eventually I started like remembering the dreams because they got like it was the same dream over and over again. Yeah. So. yeah. Was your roommate also a student? Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, he, I don't know. We ended up, like, continuing this pattern for a while, and then I started to, like, almost, like, lucid dream into the situation. Okay. Where it become more, like, I was remembering what was going on because I could feel that I was there. Right. And it was always, like, this dark shadow, stereotypically, like, at the end of the bed. Mm-hmm. And, like, it would go from that, and I would be terrified, like, in my bed. And it would be really moonlit, but right. like, not to the shadow, like, just before it. Of course. I'll do always. Um, and then it would be, like, shadow was suddenly on top of me, and it was this, like, woman, like, old woman, screaming at me and, like, ringing at my neck. Damn. And then I would wake up, like, screaming again. Yeah. Because, like, I would, like, thought I was being suffocated. Right. And he would come in. But, like, that sort of, like, mellowed out for a little bit. Was it, like, similar to sleep paralysis, where... I think... I, like, that's, like, the way it was described to me. Okay. But I don't think there's usually, like, the absolution of sleep paralysis. Fair. You don't usually <laughs> get to see the thing. Yeah, no, you're right. In that way. <laughs> yeah, everyone I've talked to that's had sleep paralysis says they see a shadow at the foot of the bed or next to the bed, and they can't, like, move. But the, you're right, nothing yeah. ever... Because, like, I saw this woman's that. face because she was just screaming. Yeah, face. yeah. Absolutely, like, like I could feel, like, the spit flying out of her mouth at me. Um, but then it moved on to, like, me waking up in the middle of the night to, like, a sound and not really knowing what that was. Okay. And it would, like, then, like, a full, like, thump would come from the trap door. And it would go, Phoom. and I'd be like, shit. No. <laughs> And, like, I would be, like, half asleep still, though, even though I was really terrified. And I, I pulled my dresser over the door so that I couldn't get up. As you should. And I would <laughs> like, be like, I got class tomorrow. I'm going back to bed. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, it kept escalating, like, little by little. Yeah. We had, like, I had Thanksgiving dinner at my apartment with all the Americans. And we invited, like, the Europeans who were, like, down for whatever <laughs> we were doing. Down for food. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it was the first time they'd been to the apartment, except for these two girls who had apparently lived in the apartment the year before. Gotcha. Um, one was Romanian and one was Moldovan. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, it was weird. It was a weird time. 
the most like the weirdest part was that we always had this cat that would like sit out in front of the front door on the fourth story of the apartment we open it and it would just be this black cat like sitting there staring at us then he'd run away <laughs> and like I was like making dinner that night and like everyone's like really drunk in the living room yeah. like, like I had lit the fire so like that was going and I like went back into the kitchen to like check on the food and I was like steaming the potatoes and mm-hmm. so the kitchen was like completely steamed up right and like I turned around and there was a full handprint on the window of the kitchen um and it like there was water dripping down it right and so i knew that it was like fresh right and like everyone had been in the other room like i would have known if someone had like come in with me to that room yeah and i had no way to explain it like everyone went i brought everyone to see it and they're like fuck 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 and like this like the two girls were like we told you (laughs) and like, but Thanksgiving otherwise went off without a hitch. Did those girls yeah. live in the room that you were living in? One of them did, yeah. Okay. They, like, were sharing it together. But gotcha. they didn't even last a full year, because they just found, like, the the vibe to be a little odd. Rightfully <laughs> so. <laughs> but, like, nothing really happened. Gotcha. But obviously, like, I'm a gay man in this apartment, and I think yeah. she's a little bit madder at me, because, like, <laughs> I was bringing home Azerbaijani boys, like, to the space, because... Good for you. Their places weren't safe. Yeah. But... Anywho, we, now we come to the main story. Okay, how many months in are we? We're, like, after Thanksgiving, we're probably very, we're close to me leaving. It had to be been, like, end of November, early December. Okay. And, like, I've survived most of what I could through her. Like, it's continued, but it's, like, mostly subsided. Right. And I get to this one day, I, like, just gotten home from class. It's super bright. Yeah. Like, there's no clouds in the sky, but it's really windy. And, like, Baku is, like, on a peninsula in the middle of the Caspian Sea. Okay. So you have winds coming from every direction. Right. They actually, like, make all the windows in residential homes double-paned. Oh, okay. But not next to each other. Right. It's, like, a pane of glass and then, like, a space and then a second pane of glass. Oh, okay. So your windows open inward and outward. Gotcha. Because the wind is so aggressive that you don't want to be hearing it all the time. Right. But you could hear it. This one was, like, howling in, like, the bright sun. Gotcha. And I, like, got home. I had to study my Turkish. I had, like, found these, like, cigarettes that were really cool. They were called Sobranye. Okay. And they were, like, a big square package, gold and black. And you opened them up like this. Wow. Like, very much, like, a hinge opening. Kind of like cigar yeah. boxes. And they were laid out. The filter paper was black. And, like, the little, like, gold piece on the end. And you would smoke it, and it would feel like you just smoked weed. Luxury. You kind of just, like, sit there swirling for a little <laughs> bit in the nicotine high. And so I was doing that. I was listening to Lana Del Rey, I think Summertime Sadness. And I was singing along, and my Turkish book was, like, next to me. I was laid <laughs> on my bed smoking inside. And I just hear this, like, wham And, like, it's the front door to, like, the apartment. The front door is, gotcha. like... It's like double layered steel door. Was it just you? T- it was just you two living there. Yeah. And was your roommate home? I thought so. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, like because it was windy. Sometimes when you'd open the door, like the door would just like slam open. Right. All of the windows in the hallway leading up to our apartment mm-hmm. were like blown out. It like looked very like post apocalyptic. Right. Like, the the end of the Soviet like like era like was still present in yeah. the hallway. Um, and I, like, I was like, oh, like, he's home, whatever, like, 
I'm coming down from like whatever this nicotine high is. Yeah. And I like rolled over and my French doors were open into the living room and there's the living room after me and then there's the French doors to the hallway that leads into the building okay. or into the apartment. Yeah. And they're frosted and behind that are like the kitchen windows so there's light pouring into those windows. Okay. And like I'm just, I rolled over and I was like staring at these French doors and I just see like this like shadow like pass in front of it and it like stops like in the middle of the doors and then it keeps going and his like room doors are right there which are also double doors gotcha and i hear them just like open up slam right and so you're thinking it's your roommate coming yeah out. okay and i got up like rolled out of the bed and like walked across the living room and just felt like this like chill yeah like it got really cold um, usually the living room is like the warmest room in the room or right. in the apartment so I noticed like yeah. how cold it was the fire was on but it was just like a blast of cold air and I like opened up the French doors to like the main hallway and like looked right first cause like I felt wind and the front door was still wide open gotcha and this fucking black cat <laughs> god so help me was in the doorway just sitting staring yeah staring at me and then, like, round once and, like, ran off back downstairs. And, like, it's like, get the fuck out. <laughs> I, like, turned left to my roommate's door, and they're both wide open. All of his lights are on and, like, slightly flickering. <laughs> what the fuck? And, like, the wind is, like, blowing me in there from, like, the main door. Yeah. Because, like, evidently his, like, balcony doors are also open. He has, okay. like, one of those, like, little, what do you call those? The ones that are not the real balcony. Oh, yeah. It's, like, maybe a foot of it. Right. With, like, a little barrier. That little, yeah, 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 yeah. And he has these, like, huge red velvet curtains that are just blowing out the window. And everything smells of sulfur. Like, just, like, profoundly. Like, it's, like, all, like, up in my sensorial glands. Yeah. And I, like, have, like, a meltdown. I was, like, everything I was just doing no longer matters. Like, I shut, like, I, like, pulled the curtains in and I, like, shut the doors. Yeah. And I ran back and turned off all of his lights and, like, slammed the doors and, like, grabbed all of my homework and yeah. just ran for my life. I'm Fair. Like, you know what? There's, like, so many other places I could be doing this right now. Yeah. I'm living in this country. I should go out and see it. <laughs> I gotta go. But, yeah, that was, like, the last time... I had to deal with her properly. Okay. But it, like... Because, like, after that, like, I just started, like, screaming into the apartment. I'm like, I'm gay, so what? Deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fighting her. Yeah. I'm like, whatever it takes, lady. Yeah. Like, like, I'm going to go eventually, and if you come with me to Turkey, like, I'm going to fight you when we get there. (laughs) Because that's where I was going afterwards. Yeah. I was like, I can't have this lady come back to America with me. No, yeah, yeah, like, She, like, spoke Russian. She was very babushka. She was very just upset by my existence in the yeah. space. Evidently not the other kids. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You triggered her. She probably was just like, this is one too many. I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, she's like, not another American in my apartment. Exactly. <laughs> And when they, when they, like, are sending them, they're not sending their best. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's terrifying, though. That's, like, I can't... That's a whole horror movie in itself. That's the climax of a horror movie. I just, like, I couldn't... I guess, like, 
do anything about living there. That was like the ultimate issue. Is that like right. I already begged to switch out of one place. Right. So I was trapped there. And so like my mindset the whole time with this woman is that like I have to learn to live with her because yeah. there's no other option. I'm not paying for my own apartment. I've never had a real job because I'm in college. Right. Well, I mean, that's how a lot... Hi, I'm going to get kissed by a dog. Oh, no, okay. Um, no, but I feel like that's how a lot of stories are in that situation. It's like, I spent all my money to move into this house, and no one's going to buy it after this, so what am I supposed to do when I have no money? The ghosts know. <laughs> the, the ghosts are watching the market. They have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love a real estate ghost. <laughs> I'm sure all gay all gay ghosts become real estate ghosts in the end. <laughs> well, they need a second job. Yeah, you get you get paid by the actual real estate agent. All of a sudden, done. easy enough for you. God, yeah. Did those? I'm just curious to know, like, what your roommate thought, and if he experienced anything. He. I told him about it, and he was, like, his, I guess he was, he grew up, like, very superstitious. Yeah. But, like, he felt the need to, like, contain his superstitions. Like, you don't talk about it. Gotcha. Like, you do the things that need to be done to, like, cleanse the home, but you don't speak of the ghosts. (laughs) And he would just prefer not to. Like, he was constantly, like, bringing in, like, new like plants to burn and Pounds like of salt yeah. <laughs> like he was like he got really into um prayer at a certain point uh, like he wasn't he wasn't five times a day in it um <laughs> in the beginning and he was by the end like, that's he- too much though like if you have to go through all of that it's not worth staying there if you can help it of course no, no we made it out <laughs> have you experienced anything since then not of her, that woman specifically, but just, like, anything. Ghostwise, no. Especially not in New York. I did I did one time in a club, um... After t- taking both Molly and Mushrooms, talking with a person for half an hour that didn't exist. Um, and I, like, believed that that could be a ghost. Um, I don't think it could have been, like, a full hallucination, because, like, my mind is not that good at creating things. Creating invisible, uh... No, but, like, I had this conversation with this guy for a long time while I was, like, sitting outside the dance floor. And I was next to my friend who was just, I guess, like, staring off into space or into his phone. Yeah. Whatever you do in the club when you're not dancing. Right. Um, and I, like, turned to him and I was like, hey, like, this guy's great. Like, <laughs> like you should meet him. And my friend was like, there's been no one there. I'm like, I've just been letting you talk to yourself for 30 minutes straight. And I'm like... It's either a ghost or um, <laughs> I've gone crazy. That's fucked up, though. I'm just gonna let you talk to yourself. I don't think no, I remember. Like I can see the person's face. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was just in the right state of mind to like yeah, be I mean, accepted by a ghost. I was the same night that I like decided that my friend was an alien too. Mm. The same friend. Um, mm. The lights flickered at the end of the club. Like they had come on and they turned off again and turned back on. Yeah, and. It, he like his face like split <laughs> and it, like he had like 40 rows of teeth like it was like an alien movie <laughs> and his eyes went jet black I remember and I was like I screamed bloody murder and I was like and I jumped back and the lights flickered off and on again and he was back to normal what the fuck I am 
determined that he is an alien and that he was sent because he's also his he's, his job is he's a researcher. Uh, yeah, that's uh, like, <laughs> that's suspicious. Yes, yeah. and that's what he does for a living. Lives in D.C. doing research for various um, in D.C. too. Yeah, yeah, that's suspicious. And he told me that that guy wasn't real. So I don't know. <laughs> I think aliens exist. I think I've met one. Um, I think ghosts exist. I've met a few. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only as crazy as you decide I am. Look, I agree with you. I may have not. I may not have met an alien, but I think it's foolish to think that we're the only living creatures in this world. Or in this galaxy. Absolutely. Even the, this, the galaxy, the odds are low. Right, exactly. That we're alone. Like, that's silly. Ghosts, I've seen my own fair share, so I'm with you on that one. Nothing as, in, nothing as vicious or, like, seemingly vicious as what you've experienced, <laughs> but... I don't know. We have evil eyes everywhere now. <laughs> I'm like, my dog looks like a cross between a black cat and a wolf. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, he is. Keep him like keeping us safe. You got a cat too, so you're covered. It's okay. We're drinking wine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was ASMR too. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing and for doing this with me. You're very welcome. I know you don't talk about it to everyone or. On the daily, but it's... Yeah, the story doesn't ever come out when I expect it to, so... Fair. I'm happy it came out at all. <laughs> <laughs> People have got to know, you know, next time you're visiting these places, keep a lookout. Especially, like, obviously the United States is a newer country. And so a lot of older, ancient civilizations have more trauma. Oh, absolutely. And ghosts roaming. <laughs> generations of trauma. Yes. Generations on generations. Exactly. Ghosts, like, fighting for territory at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, United States ghosts are living in luxury because <laughs> they have uh, a house to themselves. Oh, yeah, there's not that many. <laughs> have you seen that show, Ghosts? Or Ghosts? No, like, everyone keeps saying it's really good. I want to oh, see it's it. it's so good because it's like 20 British ghosts from different eras living in the same house. I would love to. And they to. try to kill this girl who looks a lot like Tublo, weirdly. Um, <laughs> and she almost dies, but doesn't fully die. And so because she had a near-death experience, she can see the ghosts now. Gotcha. And they communicate with her, but n- no one else can. I like that. Yeah. I, it's queued up. I just haven't watched it yet, so I'll have to... Because there's... Is there... There's a British one and an American that's one. That's right. Okay. The British one. Okay. I haven't watched the American one. I don't but it's... It. The American versions are never as good as the original versions. No, unless it's The Office. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Haunted Hometowns on social media platforms for photos related to each episode, guest info, and upcoming news. Please rate, subscribe, and share the podcast to all your aunties. If you have a paranormal experience and would like it read on the podcast, email hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com or DM my socials. Could be anything from waking up with a tattoo of a demon that talks to you to a potato chip shaped like Cher. That was a tongue twister. Chip shaped like Cher. 
let me know and I will be back in a week to give you another story because everyone loves a ghost story. I got my information from Art Curious Podcast, Surprised by Time Blog, Atlas Obscura, and Visit Venezia. Music is by the wildly talented Ty Air. Follow him on Instagram at Queer Popstar. And the art is by the wildly talented Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z.